на трибунах олеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки Okay, so um, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, listening to the first uh, edition of the Russian Football News podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Tom. Uh, I've also got two distinguished guests of the website joining me. Uh, first of all, I've got uh, Toker. Are you joining us in Denmark? Yeah, I'm at home in Denmark. Okay, whereabouts in Denmark are you, so we can get a bit of a uh, approximation? I'm at Roskilde. Uh, it's about half an hour from Copenhagen. Okay, lovely. Okay, uh, I'm in Birmingham. If anyone's interested, and uh, we also have Danny, uh, another website of the uh, writer of the website. Um, how are you there, Danny? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just, uh, uh, just enjoying the uh, uh, some blue skies in Manchester. So they don't come around very often. No, no, no. I can imagine. I know the same. We're uh, we're quite close, really. Birmingham, Manchester. Not too far. At least we're outside the. Yeah, side. not too far. Yeah. Okay, so we may as well um, get this started. I hope all the listeners enjoy this uh, first podcast and hopefully it's the first of many to come. So really the first thing we're going to discuss is um, the Russian national team here. We've uh, just about managed to see them qualify for Euro 2016 next summer in France um, under the leadership of Leonid Slutsky after a sort of disastrous reign under Fabio Capello. So um, if I can first come to you, uh, Danny, what did you sort of think of the, the managerial change from... Capello to Slutsky, obviously it seems to be the right one in the end, but is it sort of viable in the long term with his contract with CSKA? Um, I think first off it was it was definitely a good choice. I mean, as you said, under Capello, it was he just never seemed really right for the job. It never seemed really right for him. Um, I think it was just a matter of time before he, he left. Um, he, he left sort of, not in, not in the same circumstances, but it was quite as abruptly as, as he left the England job, as some, some people might might remember from a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, to, to to win to win four games out of four for Slutsky, it's this it's, it's a it's a great achievement. If, um, and qualifying for a tournament where they've not done too well at. I mean, bar barring two thousand and uh, two thousand and eight, I thought, I thought it was fantastic. He's, you know, he's done a great job. But in the in the long term, I I can't see him taking it up full time. I can't I can't see I can't see him leaving CSK. He's been there for years. He, he loves the job. Whether the national team will be looking at appointing somebody full full time, and let's face it, there's going to be a, a you know a host of managers that are going to jump at the, those sort of wages. Whether they're going to do that, I don't know, or carry on with Slutsky, I don't know. But if they, if they carry on with Slutsky, I, I think they're going to have to carry on juggling the Siska job with the national team job. So it, it, it totally depends on what they want. I think Slutsky um happy to do it. I think he's happy to you know to to go into as far as say as far as the World Cup. Um, juggling the two jobs, I don't know. I, I, I don't. It's, it's entirely up to what they're looking for in a manager. Entirely. Is there anything you'd like to add that Toko there? Would you like to put anything on? Yeah. After after what Capello did in the Euro qualification, I think almost anyone would be the right choice to to replace yeah. him. It was it was bound to happen, and I think almost anybody agreed that it happened too late. Anyway, it was almost it was almost too too late for Slutka to save them, but. Yeah, I agree with Danny. It's not a long-term solution to have a coach who's both um, who's both coaching the national side and coaching a club. That is not um, the perfect solution at the moment, and Russia needs to, to figure out what to do. Mm. Who would you ha- who would you have as a replacement? Yeah, it's a, it's difficult because it seems like Russia they needed a Russian 
coach right now. That that was the everybody agreed on that after after the Capello disaster, and there wasn't many many great coaches available. So I think Slutsky was a good solution to guide them through these four games, but long term they need to figure out if they can get they need to get a coach who can only have one job. Um, maybe Yuri Semin after he was sacked at Anji. Maybe Viktor Goncharenko could also be a solution. He seems like a, an interesting guy. What about Alan Chiev? Well, he did wonders at Arsenal Tula last season. He played some nice football, but I still think he needs to prove himself. I haven't really been impressed by what he has been doing at, uh, at Spartak yet. And I think taking over the national team is still too big a job. I even think taking over Spartak was too big a job for him. Oh, really? And that's quite an interesting viewpoint. Would you have anything to add to there, Danny? About his time at Spartak? Um, yeah, no, I mean, they, they've done all right at Spartak so far. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do agree that they I, I do agree that they need a, um, a Russian manager. I'd say, I mean, it, it's sort of linked to the, the what you said before about um, Vilas Boas being at... Um, being at Zenit, and whilst he's been there, it's the same with Capello. I mean, he, he, I just don't think he actually really got it. I don't think Vias Boas at Zenit, for example, has really got sort of the Russian football culture and sort of the sort of the, the underlying the underlying factors of, of, of what makes you know the Russian league take and Russian football take. I just don't think he actually you know re- really got it. So I mean, a Russian manager for me, it had, they have to you have to lead them into um, especially with the home World Cup coming up. It, it, Absolutely, have to be. Yeah, Alenchev. Yeah, he's, he's done okay. He's, he's, he's done okay, but I, I don't know. I, I, would you would you want somebody who's, who's more established, maybe at that level? I, there's no one that really jumps out at me at the minute. Well, apparently, it's going to cost um, the Russian Football Union about a billion dollars to buy Slutsky out of his contract with CSKA. So it doesn't seem that that's going to be a, a long-term solution. That was what I heard <laughs> no, this morning. No. So it does seem a bit of an odd one. But um, I can imagine him taking them to the Euros. I don't know if he's um, agreed that contract yet, which because obviously his contract was only till the end of the qualifiers. And I don't think they've actually established whether he's going to be in charge for 2016 in France. But you would imagine that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think it's about it's quite ad hoc, his contract, if, if I'm, you know, from what I've read. I think it's just quite relaxed. Yeah, it's, maybe there's not even a contract, we know, in a, quite a lot of... Well, areas. you know, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Yeah. And Vitaly Mutko has already made some pretty bold um, statements about, about Slutsky, saying that if he qualifies them for the Euro, they'll definitely sign him and he'll take over the team and coach them until 2018. So they've already made some big promises. Let's see if they can hold them. Yeah, it would be quite interesting. But like we said, is he really going to be able to go the two jobs? But another point I wanted to come on to was obviously the sort of Capello reign was a, an absolute disaster straight from Brazil 2014, where it's just an absolute crash. And then um, obviously the terrible start to the 2016 qualifying campaign. Now, obviously, we've seen the same players actually go and progress to qualify. So actually, do the players have to take a bit more responsibility here? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. It is. I... There is a certain amount of um, responsibility that lies on the pitch, and there's a certain um, amount. There's a lot of things that go on off the pitch. I mean, whether Capello, he, he, I, for example, when he was in England, he, he was in England for a long time, and his English wasn't really that good. But whether he's a great communicator in the dressing room, I don't know. Um, whether he fully adapted, whether he fully tried to adapt to um, being in Russia. You know, you you can't say, but for, I, I, he just doesn't seem like the type of guy you, you'd fully embrace, like being a Russian manager. So I, I think he sort of managed at arm's length, um, to be honest. 
I don't think I, I, from I'm only assuming it, but I I just I just don't think the players like got a full manager from Capello. I think and I think it showed on the pitch. It's like we said before. I think Slutsky um, has done a fantastic job. He's got got a great track record, and I think it's just purely because he's a good manager and he's he's Russian and he understands what um, you know. The players seem to respect him, and he understands like sort of you know the Russian what happens in Russian football, and he, he's. I, I, I think there is a certain amount that that lies with the manager, a lot, because they directly influence the players. So I, th- I think the I think the responsibility on the players is is minimal, is minimal at best. So what would you have to say about that, Toka? There, I think it's important to remember that Capello actually watched more more Russian matches than both uh, Gus Hiddink and Advocat did before him. And although I agree that. Slutsky was the right choice now and that Russia needs a Russian manager to lead them also to the World Cup. I think that Fabio, Fabio Capello has all, also been made the scapegoat for a lot of Russia's problems. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that he doesn't understand the Russian football world because let's face it, the Russian football world has a lot of problems and the same in the case of Willem Boas. I mean, a, a manager coming from outside have, has a fresh set of uh, eyes on the problems and Capello had a lot of, he tried to do a lot of things, tried to educate the coaches and hold a lot of conferences with the different people involved in Russian football and try to develop it. He just, no one mm. really allowed him to do it and it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it is difficult. I mean, if, he, if he's just hitting a brick wall, um, it can sometimes feel like you're, you're getting nowhere. I mean, I, I mean, I, I didn't know that about about Advocat and, and, and Hiddink. He's watched more games than Advocat and Hiddink. I can probably believe it with Dick Advocat, to be honest. But um, yeah, they, they, for me, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't think he. He just, he just didn't seem right. He, he just didn't, didn't seem right for the job the whole time he was in there. Like you said, it probably went on for too long. Now they've got to pick up. This, they picked up the pieces so far, but they've got to, you know, they've got to make sure they have a long-term plan in place. That's the next step. Okay, so a couple of other things I was interested with the the national team is um, a couple of ageing players in there. I'm looking at the likes of Ignashevich, the Berezwutsky brothers, and um, recent call-up Alej Kuzmin from uh, Rubin. I mean, with the 2018 World Cup coming up, you'd think that they'd want to develop their younger talent, but they seem to be sticking by the same old faces. You know, you've got quite a a high average age, especially in the back line there. I mean, was there any sort of um, changes you'd make to that? Or because you've they've qualified Russia for the 2016 Euros. Do you think they just deserve to remain in their place or would you look to develop a younger generation there, Danny? Um, I think it's just purely a case of you've got the, whole, the old heads to get the job done and then I think everybody knows in three years' time they'll probably not be there. I think there'll be, there'll be a lot of um, a lot of new players coming through. I think the Berezovsky brothers have been around for, for a long, long time. You, can, you know, you, you could see them you could see them there in 2018. I mean, the, both both managed to get on the pitch yesterday. I thought they did exceptionally well against Wayne Rooney. Um, okay, Rooney might have been isolated up top, but I mean, well, they're going to be what 36 by the time the, the tournament comes around, 35, 36. Um, I, I don't know. I, I could still see him there. I could still see him there. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I wrote an article the other day about the, you know, a lot of um, the, the top talents in the Russian league. Um, I think there's a lot of youth to come through. There's a lot of great players to come through. Kokorin even is 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 yet to step 
up to the plate pressing side. I think we could see massive things for him next year and um, in the World Cup. There's a lot of great players, a lot of a lot of great, great young players coming through. But I think I think I, th- I think they're right to put faith in in some of the old heads. Berezitsky brothers. Let's, what, what's what's the what's the world amount of you know being there, 35, 36 at the next World Cup? Mm. Yeah. We saw Mario Yepes at Colombia for the last cup. He must have been about 38 um, playing for them in the World Cup. He had an yeah. astonishing tournament in Brazil. I mean, Toka, if I put yeah, the name... Uh, sort of... it's, it's, sorry, it's, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, it's like Forlan as well. Forlan was, a, was the best player was it, was in 2010. Mm. Yeah, and he was certainly yeah, yeah. on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Toka, if I <laughs> mentioned um, somebody like Vitaly Jakov, 26 at centre-half, sort of looking towards the future, because you've got to remember... Although these older heads would get you through 2016, in the two years going up to Russia 2018, there will be no competitive games. So these younger players will not have tournament experience if they don't go to France next year. So what what would you sort of do with that if you're in Slutsky's shoes there? No, it's a very good point uh, that they have no qualification for the World Cup. But don't forget, they have the Confederations Cup in 2007. So they will get a bit of uh, tournament experience. Um, but also, I think it's it's important to remember that just because Russia has the World Cup in 2018, it doesn't mean that they can just take the um, 2016 Euros as a training tournament just to play in younger players and put out the old guys who might not be able to play in, in the World Cup because they still need to take it serious. They need to, to perform well and also in the, in the, in the qualification group here. Um, and I think the biggest problem at the moment is really that there are no... No Russian central defenders who can actually compete with these guys. You mentioned uh, Vitaly Jakov, and even though I liked him, I think he did a he he has played some good seasons for Rostov, and he's done alright for Dynamo this season. But I just don't see him on the same level as the Ignatievich and as Ignatievich and the Berezutsky brothers. And I think that's that's the case with many of the Russian central defenders. You could also mention. Nikita Shanov from CSK. He has also a very long road to go, although he has already gotten his debut on the national team. So they they are yet to to see some players who can actually compete for the spots in the central defense. So what about um, sort of with Berezutsky and Ignashevich? Obviously, they've got a lot of international caps behind them. When the last squad came out, I was very surprised at uh, Ali Kuzmin from Rubin, the fullback getting a call up for his first cap in his uh, sort of in his 30s it seems a very odd decision i don't know if anyone any of you thought that was odd at the time and whether it still strikes you as odd i think it shows that slutsky was in in win now mode he knew that he needed to take on the strongest possible squad and he felt that kuzmin was a part of that mm-hmm. and he didn't really look at the age of the players he just knew that he had to put together a squad who could win those those games for him and get russia to the euros and I think Kuzmin proved us all that he actually did have the level both with his goal against Moldova and latest he scored two goals this weekend against Ufa. So I actually think it was it was a surprise, but it, it was a good one. Anything you'd like to add to that, Danny? Go on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, as I'm, yeah, I touched on the point just just before. Of, um, I think Slutsky just he, he very he very much is uh, he's put faith in sort of these experienced players to get the. Get the job done in qualification. I, th- I think Kuzmin, he came with chumps, you know, as you say, he scored a goal in qualifying, scored the first, um, first against Montenegro, and he, he, he's, he's been playing well. I mean, I, I don't think it was a surprise, don't get me wrong, it was a surprise to see him in there, especially at, at 34. But, like I say, he, he came with chumps. He, he, he did all right. He, he did, you know, he, he got the job done. He, I think a lot, 
a lot of praise has got has got has got to go on um, the older players in the in the Russian side because, I mean, a lot of the younger players wouldn't wouldn't have played under that many managers. Um, so for when Capello went, um, I think it was important for for them to have, if not a manager to look up to, these older players in the dressing room. So yeah, I th- I, th- I think it was a surprise, but it, it was a, it was a nice surprise, put it that way. Yeah, I totally sort of totally agree there, but. Um... Yeah, it's sort of interesting with that old line, especially at the back. I mean, in other areas, they seem perfectly okay. I mean, would you say it was sort of a, an easy group that they sort of messed up and left to the last minute there? In, I mean, you look in there, you've got Montenegro, Liechtenstein, Moldova, who, of course, they drew with nothing really special there. Obviously, Sweden and Austria, with this, Austria really the surprise package at the group, I suppose. Were you surprised that they did as badly as they did? Um. Well, kind of, yeah. I was more surprised at Sweden. I think let's let's be honest. I mean, it it, it wasn't that hard of a group. I mean, England, their group was probably one of the easiest. And if you, I think that's but that was probably the easiest, the one that they were in. But I think after that, it was probably Russia's. Yeah, I think I think I think it comes back to probably Capello. Probably his his influence on the the qualifying stage wasn't the best. You could make an argument for them, you know, leaving it to, to kind of like the last minute when they, they should probably should have had the, the job done a lot quicker. So yeah, that seems definitely a good argument, yeah. Okay, I think that'll bring our um, sort of national team thing to a close. We've sort of uh, run the rule over that one and thank God they're there in the end because it, it made yeah. us all a bit nervous. Um, so next we're sort of I thought we'd look at sort of the club sides, particularly um, my my sort of close team, Zenit. There, we've uh, obviously we all know that Andre Vilash Boas is leaving at the end of the season. Now, Danny, you said earlier that he hasn't really adapted. He came in saying he was going to be Peter the Great, of course, the founder of Saint Petersburg, and um, seems to have has he got a bit of a rough ride? Because let's not forget, he did win the Russian Championship last year. They've won all three games in the Champions League this year. I mean, Toko, are you sort of surprised yeah. at the the bad reception he's getting? I think most coaches would have won the the Russian league with with uh, Senate last season. To be honest, it was after CSK sold Dumbia. It was really one of one of the poorest seasons I've seen in the in the past few years. None of the none of the top clubs were really up to challenge uh, Senate. Dynamo collapsed completely. CSK lost Dumbia, and Spartak were well just Spartak. So I think it was one of the easiest seasons and. Senate didn't hire Villas Boas just to win the league. It was a good start for him and an important start for him. But what they really need was European success, and they have gotten a good start so far this season. But what they did last season in Europe wasn't really impressive, and I think I think they should have advanced. They got probably the easiest of all the Champions League groups, and they failed miserably. I mean, Danny, would you say that um, Villas Boas is sort of We've seen him complain a lot about the the Russian transfer policy, which ended up in him selling Solomon Rondon to West Bromwich Albion. Um, would you say that he's sort of complained too much, or do you think he's right to complain oh. about all that? So, I'm sorry, I just lost you there. For a it's sorry. all right. Um, would you say he's right to complain about the um, the six plus five rule in the Russian Premier League, or get on with it like the other managers? Yeah, no, I, I think I think you have to get on with that. I think it's. Um, I, I seem to remember. Um, Mourinho um, complaining about not ha- um, not having control over when teams play matches. For instance, if they play on a if they've got a game that needs to be played that would, um, that they missed out in the fixtures for some reason, say like um, <clears throat> uh, a game 
that they couldn't have played on a on a Saturday because one of the te- other teams was have a prior engagement with with, with another tournament or, or for, for some reason he said that managers in Italy or in Spain say when do you want they say to them when, when do you want the when, when do you want the game playing and they say oh we'll have it on a Friday or we'll have it on a Tuesday I'm thinking well that doesn't really wash in England things I think managers just have to adapt um, Vias Boas let's not forget I think some of the some of the problems um, in his career have come solely from him let's not forget it's only at Zenit where he, well he's not yet stayed more than a year but by the end of his contract ironically it, it, it will be the longest he's ever stayed at a club um, and there's sort of only one common denominator in that um, with Vias Boas it's, it's not out of the ordinary for him to complain about a lot of things we've seen in, 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 in his previous jobs at um, Chelsea and, and, and Spurs he seems to get to do a, a little bit better in England, but I think, yeah, I, I think I think he he does seem to moan about quite a lot. To be honest, um, I think in the I think my answer is yeah, he should, he should probably get on with it. He's, I don't think he's got a lot to complain for. He, he knew he knew what the Russian league was before he took the job. Let's face it, you 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 know moving moving to Russia and taking a job is 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 one thing if you're not fully aware of the whole. Of what that job brings, then uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but sure, that's your own fault. Yeah. Toka, do you think he saw it as a bit of a stepping stone to a, a bigger European league or club? Um, well, not not as he has performed so far. I mean, I think Vilas Boas is the kind of coach he will definitely get a job in one of the big leagues after Senate. I'm not, I'm absolutely sure of that. But I don't see after what he's done at Senate, him landing a job like Chelsea or a, a, a club that size. I think it's um, also important to remember when you talk about all the complaints done by Villas Boas that he is the manager of the most power, one of the most powerful clubs, the richest clubs, the the club with the best players, and you still see him moan about all sort of problems, um, mm. and that makes him look a bit stupid when you see other coaches who are having much bigger troubles and who who coach clubs who can't pay their players or can't afford to go to away matches and you don't see them complain half as much as Villas Boas do. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a, it is a very interesting point. So, do you think, uh, just a quick sort of question for both of you, do you think that overall Zenit will miss Villas Boas? We'll start with you, Danny. Um, I think it was a fantastic appointment for Zenit. Um, maybe something of a coup. But like I said, they are one of the richest clubs Um We've seen a lot of managers, for instance, David Moyes or Steve McLaren, go abroad to try and um, try and reinvigorate the career and try 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 and build their career up. I think that was very much the case for Vias Boas after he left um, after he left England. I think I don't I didn't think he saw it as a stepping stone as much. I think he saw it as a, as, as a as a place to go and you know rebuild his career, earn a lot of good money. Um, and then possibly move on to, to, to other things. It's a shame that it sort of happened for him uh, this way because he has enjoyed a little bit of success at, um, at Zenit. Whether it can be called into question by Toka, um, uh, probably any manager could have, could have won at Zenit. It's probably true. But I think he deserves a little, amount, a little bit of credit um, because... He must have, you know, at least bought. He's bought a decent um, footballing 
footballing starters in it. You know, it, it, it was a good signing for them. You know, it really was. I think it. I think they will miss. It, you know, it, it all depends on who they get in next, whether they miss him or not. Like, it really does all depend on who they get in, get in next. Yeah, Toke, would you see them going for another big European name, or do you think they go closer to home with a, a Russian appointment? I have actually thought a lot about that in uh, in the past few weeks. Ever, ever since he announced that he would he would leave the club, I think Senna could actually go for um, for a Russian coach, maybe or re- at least a Russian speaking coach. I could see Viktor Gancherenko go to to Senate, but maybe not as much anymore after he he joined CSK. Regarding if uh, if Senate fans or the club itself is going to miss Villas Boas, I think a lot will depend on what the new coach can make of Hulk, because Villas Boas has really gotten Hulk to play some of the best football of his career, if yeah, the best football. I mean, he has been amazing, really, in the in the past, ever since Villas Boas took over, and it'll be very interesting to see how he'll perform next season under a new coach, if he'll go back to being being the lazy Brazilian who, who shoots from weird distances, or if he'll keep up this being the beast he is at the moment. Yeah, Vyash Bales, of course, also got Hulk to sign the new contract, of course. So he's, he's there for a good amount of time now. He's 29 now. Um, of course, the, the future around Witzel is still unclear, so I'm not sure what would happen with that. That might even be resolved in, um, in January. I mean, just speaking of Hulk there, I mean, just for the listeners, if you haven't seen the goal he scored against Leon on Tuesday oh, night, yeah. it was <laughs> incredible. He's just a, shrugs off about five defenders, probably, in the centre circle, smacks it, it swerves away from the keeper, just pretty much burst the net. Incredible. But, but that's one thing with Hulk, that we have always seen those amazing goals where he shoots, he has the incredible shot from the distance, but one thing I've really liked from him this season is he's gotten much more involved in, in Senate's uh, build-up. For example, he made the pass against Leon to Oleg Shatov um, mm. that led to the third goal. Yes. And I think that's some that has changed somehow um, compared to earlier where he was just he scored the goals himself, or not much came from him. Now he is, what well, is it? Eleven assists he has made in in fifteen games. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I think Hulk's reputation sort of came from highlights programs, really, because we see him smacking these thing, these uh, great shots. Yeah, all the time, that's but true. Yeah. Having seen him live a few times when I lived over there, it was, he was sort of the most frustrating player I've ever seen because he he would never pass the ball correctly, or he'd just shoot from a wild distance. You think, what are you doing? But he seems to have really come up trumps this season. Um. Just quickly pressing on to last night's game then, CSKA against uh, Man United. Danny, you're, a, you're the Mancunian here, so I'll let you have first word. What did you sort of think of um, the performance? I thought it was decent. I thought it was, it was even until um, the first goal. Um, I think you only have to look at the stats. By the end of it, Man United had 70% possession. But the thing is, they didn't do a lot with it. The, the midfield was entirely congested from the 15th minute to the last. The only reason... Um, why it ended level is because Siska seemed to tire towards the end. I think Man United were a little bit um, bamboozled by um, Zenit's the uh, the technical level of Zenit. I think CSK. especially the forwards, especially uh, Dumbia, he was absolutely frightening. I mean, his, his pace is, as we all know, is is really something else. But. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was a great match. I, I, I didn't think there was a lot to shout about. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I just think after the fifth, after I mean, as early as the fifteenth minute, they, they, they sort of invited United on. 
midfield was very congested and we managed to score a great, well, Martial managed to score a great goal um, just as a result of just pressing and pressing and pressing. I think United were, like I say, they, they were bamboozled by by Siska and then I think at the end, Siska was sort of shocked by United's sort of resilience. But yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't really a great match. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be interested to see what happens in the, in the, in the next match at Old Trafford. But yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't a great one. Yeah, Toga, do you think um, Akinfeev was at fault for Martial's goal at all? Sort of clawed towards it, but never really got there. Well, he did, he didn't look good on the goal, but I think in the end it wasn't Akinfeev's fault. I think it was Soren Tosic. You could see when, uh, when United got the ball, Tosic is right next to Martial uh, in the middle of the field. But while Martial runs towards the, the box to get in position to head the, the to score the goal, Soren Tosic basically just walks back and completely lets him get open in the in the penalty area. And I think he actually gave he he was the main reason behind the goal. And you could see after afterwards, Akinfeld was was very furious of him. And I think that was understandable. Do you think it was an opportunity miss then for CSKA? No, I, I wouldn't say that because in the end, I think one-one was a, was a fair result, as as Danny said. United definitely had their chances, and especially in the second half, they dominated completely. CSK got they defended a bit too low and gave up the um, the possession too easily. So in the end, I think one-one was a fair result, and I think both United and CSK will will be happy with it. They are both very much alive in the group now, and. Yeah, I agree. It'll be very interesting to see next next uh, next match. Do you think they'll get out of the group, Danny? Yeah, I think they're in with a shout. Definitely. Um, I think it would. I think it was a big. To be honest with you, a draw was probably the best result for both sides. I, I mean, sorry, it was it was a big result for both sides. Yeah, I, I, I think they're in with a shout. We only have um, four points. Um, four points from three games. It's, it's not it's not out of the out of the ordinary to qualify. Like, like their next game, they've got United out of the way. And then they've got um, PSV and Wolfsburg. Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I definitely, I definitely think they're they're in with a shout, especially after it. it's a point gained for them. It, even though it was at home, it was a point gained last night. So yeah, they're heading in the right direction. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens in a couple of weeks' time at Old Trafford. Um, but they're definitely in with a shout, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so um, thank you to our uh, two writers here, Danny and Turco. We've uh, had quite an interesting discussion here about the Russian national team, Zenit and CSKA. Um, obviously, do carry on watching the Russian Premier League and Russian Football League, of course. Uh, do keep uh, on track of the uh, the website, russianfootballnews.com, at rusfootballnews. Um, follow the betting tips. I, th- I mean, Turco, what, what are we on the betting tips, betting tips now? We're doing quite well, aren't we? We are... I don't remember the exact uh, percentage, but we have won more than 100 euros over the past 11 weeks. So if you have thrown in 20, uh, 40 euros every week like we do, you would maybe not be a rich man, but you would at least be a lot richer than you were before. This is something I need to get involved in as well. I'm a a Russian betting virgin, so I need to actually uh, go in and get my baptism. I'll get yourself on it. I I got three three out of three last time, so, so you've got to beat that. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah, so it wasn't bad. Okay, so um, you two, if you just want to sort of uh, tell the, the listeners your, your Twitter accounts, and I'm sure they'll give you a quick follow as well. So, Danny, what's your, what's your address on Twitter? Yeah, my handle is at Danny W. Armstrong. And Toka? At Toka Thelade, T-H-E-A-L-A-D-E. 
Okay, brilliant. And uh, if anyone's interested, I am Thomas underscore Giles, G-I-L-E-S underscore UK. So I think that about finishes things off. Um, thank you both again to Turk and Danny, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Идет подвольный матч, летит над полем мяч.